0: Everyone knows that a tree fell on it a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. And then, um, I don't know if I, I can't remember if I actually talked about it on here, but I came over in a storm last week, um, and it was confirmed that lightning hit my house.
1: <laughs> you talked about I mean, struck flashes it. of light? Yeah. you didn't know at the time yeah. that it had struck your house, yeah.
0: And it did. Wow. Um, so now, I, like, you know, rules of three. So something else
1: has got to happen, right? Oh, yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, something has to happen to, like, your roof or something. You're going to, like, really have some roof damage.
0: I hope not because, yeah, I'm really scared to, like, see what the third thing is Um, because I feel like I'm in a string of bad luck. So I'm either going to not have a house by the end of the month or I'm going to win the lottery. Maybe it'll so be like we'll a see. water heater. Your water <laughs> heater I out. hope not. <laughs> I just hope it's something small, you know, like mm. – a window breaks or whatever. I don't you know. misplace
1: your car keys.
0: Oh, I do that all the time. I daily, know.
1: it's fine. You're done.
0: But we're not here to talk about natural disasters.
1: We're not. We're here to
0: talk about history. On the rock. With Katie. And Allie. Oh, and by the way, my house is fine. I just lost internet for five days, which was super annoying. Yeah,
1: it didn't, like, explode. Um, but anyways, this is... <laughs>
0: the podcast where we talk about famous women in history and we
1: talk about good women and bad women and fictional women and non-fictional women from all times and places because women have nuance but
0: keep in mind we are drinking the entire time
1: and we are not historians so anything we say or do cannot be held against us in the court of law Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we say as we're drinking our seltzers tonight. I know, it's- we have
0: seltzers, not beers. Very fun and summery. This might have to be the new summer drink because it is like more refreshing
1: yes <laughs> and than a beer fewer calories which I mean, is beer really is fun like drinking like a loaf of bread yeah so
0: no it absolutely mm, is um stop
1: <laughs> having a grilled cheese every time we do this podcast
0: <laughs> no this is delicious we like we're getting into the seltzer movement very fun mine's pineapple <laughs> ali's is blackberry agave I um ooh, pineapple mango I know. um but anyway so we just wanted to make sure you know that we're drinking um <laughs> but maybe you're in the liquor store and you're trying to pick out what seltzer you want to buy for your summer shindig. I suggest Untitled Art, which it's, is what we're drinking. The bottles, I mean, the cans are so cute. Real classy. Really classy. Um, So maybe you're in the aisle, you're trying to decide, and you need to focus on that artwork so you can't stop and look up what these women look like in your phone. You don't have the time or the energy for that. You need to focus. Yeah, you just can't. So we're going to describe what these women look like for you. We're going to get a little physical, physical. Physical. Allie, who are you doing
1: and what does she look like? I am doing Florence Mills. Okay, I have no idea who that is. (laughs) She is a petite black woman with short hair parted in the middle. She had a long, thin, arching eyebrows. And like when I say petite, she was just small to tiny tiny, tiny 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 okay now she could have been like she was like I don't, I don't know i can't even like judge her height based on like usually her pictures were by herself but she was just a tiny tiny person mm-hmm. um she wore loose fitting sparkly dresses that would stand out on a vaudeville stage oh sounds fun she is she's very fun very cutesy very very active
0: okay
1: Who are you doing and what does she look like?
0: I am doing Griselda Blanco. Um, So she is a five foot tall Colombian woman. She was just kind of had like very round features, but like high cheekbones and small, like sharp eyes and this dark hair that kind of grayed over time, but was typically curled. Um, She was always wearing very fashionable clothes and like in her heyday and like the eighties, there's a lot of sweatsuits going on. (laughs) Um, And a lot of makeup and Big jewelry and hats. She loved a hat and a dark lipstick. I mean, she was just all over the place.
1: She sounds like Missy Elliot, honestly. Yeah, yeah. She's like the <laughs>
0: Colombian Missy Elliot. She's love this. bananas. Um, but later in life she'd be seen in a prison uniform. Oh, um
1: no. <laughs> Because she's a bad person, <laughs> um,
0: and that's what Alta Blanco looked like An- another petite woman, but very large in her effect on the criminal underworld.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just like me and Katie with our black market books, exactly. I'll listen to the bonus episodes <laughs> for that. All right,
0: so. Are you ready to get into the episode and get into this drink? I
1: am because I love it when we make drinks with actual Coca-Cola. This is
0: Coca-Cola.
1: Like classic. Coca-Cola classic. <sighs>
0: exactly. Um. So this is called the Cocaine Cowgirl. Oh! <laughs> I got it. Uh, you have to mix it up a little bit because there is chocolate liqueur in here. Um. So it's an ounce and a half of bourbon an ounce of coffee liqueur, a half ounce of chocolate liqueur, and then you shake it all up Stop and you it. top it with Coke and you garnish it with a lime peel. Listen. <laughs> Cheers. Stop. Twist a lime,
1: anyone? Oh, it's mm. all the things I love. Mm. This is like a guilty pleasure cocktail yeah, because it has soda, it has chocolate, it has coffee. Mm. Yeah. I was thinking a lot
0: about like What are the things you think of when you think of Columbia? You think of coffee, chocolate, and Coke. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not coke is in the beverage, but is in cocaine. But you know, it's all in good
1: fun. It is, um, and it's funny that her last <laughs> name is Blanco, mm-hmm. or is that what she went by? It's yep. kind of like a white Russian. It can be a Blanco Colombian. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> mm. I really like that. Mm. Oh my gosh, this is great. I'm gonna just chug it's it. It's tasty.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, what do you know about Griselda Blanco? Literally
1: nothing. Here's the deal. I looked at our list for this week. We've got three weeks left in the season, including this one next week. And the last week, our penultimate and ultimate episode, we usually know who they are. They're usually a little bit bigger this week. I looked and I was like, I don't know who either of these women are. This is going to be fun. You know? (laughs) So I didn't even Google your person. I was like, I'm just going to let it fly.
0: You know, it's so funny. I didn't even know the name of your person because I printed mine out and put it in my office so (laughs) I could not have to like look up the email every time. And I was like, all right, I'm going to print it out and yours, your person was on like the next page. (laughs) So I just didn't even see the name. Well, it's Florence Mills. Perfect. Um, so, yeah. So, are you ready to get into her story? I really... I Yes. Okay. Um, with, with so a wild drink like this. <laughs> um, I got a lot of this from uh, Wikipedia. There was a couple YouTube videos I watched, but mainly um, there was a podcast called Female Criminals About Her, um, and they did a two-part series on her, so I got pretty much like 100% of the information from them. So Great. From the Parkcast Network. They do very good research over there, um, and I just want to point out she's not a good person and there's a lot of violence in the story so and like from the get-go so like just please take care when listening if like mafia mob stuff is not your scene
1: uh yeah that's the good women so, bad women part of the exactly <laughs> we had
0: to i mean this is like i think one of the only bad woman we're doing this season right
1: i i think so quite possibly yeah like possibly I well we think... did
0: um stephanie st clair mm. who was kind of bad but like not like the not as bad as Griselda. She was,
1: like, white-collar crimes, I feel like. Stephanie St. Clair more so.
0: Yeah, she was was doing the numbers game and stuff like that, and she was definitely, like, part of, like, threatening people. Uh (laughs) But Griselda's a horrible person. Okay. Okay. So Griselda Blanco was born in Cartagena, Colombia, on February 15th, 1943.
1: One day earlier, and she would have been a lovely person.
0: Um, her mother, Anna was a farm worker, and her father, I mean, we're not 100% sure who he is. Um, but for the most part, Anna and Griselda were on their own. And when Griselda was three years old, they moved to the city of Medellin while, while she was pregnant with one of uh, Griselda's three siblings. So they moved to Medellin. They lived in this poor barrio named Trinidad. And because there were, and they moved there because there were a large number of brothels in the area. So um, Griselda's mother could find sex work easily to support her family because that was one of the very few career options she had at the moment, supporting four children. Uh, two years into their stay, the country was thrown headfirst into a 10 year long civil war known as La Violencia which is the violence, so it was really horrible. I mean, this is serious business. There were between two and 300,000 casualties and hundreds of thousands more injured at this time. It was just not a good time to be in Colombia.
1: I feel really embarrassed sometimes about how little I know about Central and South American I history. I know.
0: And like, I could have gone deep into that, but yeah. like her story is really intense, even like, and this even is just the it. backdrop of her childhood. Right.
1: I just can't, I just so that's a big failure of the system. Oh, absolutely. I think, sure. I'd
0: never heard of this before. Right. Um, and this is where she's growing up. So her home is already an impoverished home in the poorest area. And now it is an actual war zone and then so it's like there's government overthrow and in the midst of this barrio trinidad where she lives becomes the official red light district and it is every man or woman or whoever for themselves (laughs) and griselda is especially alone right now because when she was just nine years old she had to run away from home to escape sexual abuse from her mother's boyfriend no so now in the middle of this Civil War torn brothel city. She is alone, and she starts pickpocketing because that's like the only thing she can do. And soon she finds other children who were in the same position because this affected (gasps) so many people. (laughs) The horrible newsies. (laughs) And she thought, well, we could make a lot more money if we could work together. So she formed like a baby crime gang of all children. And she was
1: the leader of it. She made a union. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That seems like those little boys in Pinocchio. Yeah. Who like convince him to come to that Island and they all turn into donkeys.
0: Exactly. But they all just turn into
1: criminals, career criminals. (laughs)
0: Um, (laughs) But after a few years of pickpocketing, it was starting to lose its luster. She was like, I think we need to go for one big haul. So when she was 11 years old, she and her gang kidnapped a 10-year-old boy from a nearby wealthy neighborhood. They tied him up. They kept him in a safe house in the mountains. I don't know where they got this house. What was going on? And they held him for ransom. Stop it. She's 11. She kidnapped a 10-year-old. And they're pirates. They're pirates. They are pirates. They're all here for ransom. That's insane. And even as... But, like, since she was just a child, and these are... It's a gang of children. The family didn't take them seriously. So they refused to pay. And even as a child, Griselda was not to be fucked around with. So she, like, got off the phone, turned to the boy, and shot him in the head without thinking about it. No! killed him killed a 10 year old boy
1: as a 10 year old as girl. A, an
0: 11 year old girl babies killing babies it's fucking horrible i know
1: my, i mean my mouth is <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what to that's what say. i said we're coming right
0: off on the first page with um a lot of violence child um,
1: murder not my favorite no So,
0: and it kind of seems like after this, because it wasn't the plan. The operation was never supposed to end in murder. So the baby gang kind of broke up. (laughs) And for a few years, um, she went into survival sex work. And historians say that this is accurate for a few reasons, but she always denied it. I think because she would become such a powerful, like, business tycoon woman mm. I think that she doesn't like to think about this time where she was like a 12 year old like sex worker and
1: like subservient in yeah. that way. like you are bossed around yeah she probably felt like it was kind of like a glitch on her image yeah I think that she
0: like I think it's just really a painful thing for her so like or maybe it never happened I don't know but it's Most people agree that it happened. Right. And when she's 13, she meets her first husband, who was most likely a much older John, um, who would come to her frequently. Um, His name was Carlos Trujillo. And together they would end up having three sons, the first of which was born when she was around 17. Her husband, Carlos, was officially a car washer. But unofficially one of Medellin's best forgers, <laughs> usually forging immigration documents for people because he was also um, kind of like a small time smuggler. So he was helping people and things kind of get in and out of the country. OK. Um, and this is what a lot of people point to in their relationship. Griselda most likely saw him as her ticket out of sex work and into the more established criminal world that she really longed to be in. Hey,
1: listen, marry up. Marry up. (laughs) I mean, come on.
0: (laughs) It's all she has. (laughs) So she helped him expand his business for a while, but soon she wanted to break on her own, so she split from her husband in the late 60s. Uh, He ended up dying in 1970. Some say from hepatitis. Others say murder. Um, Because we have to think about the fact that divorce was illegal in Colombia at this time. I'm calling murder. I'm calling murder. (laughs) We'll never know. Because another thing that points to this is immediately after he died, she started seeing his close friend, Alberto Bravo, Um, in another kind of business type disguised as a relationship move. Listen, Um, the people
1: in this story have fabulous names. Really fabulous names. Somebody make a movie. Oh, we'll get to that. Oh, there's
0: movies. There's movies and one coming up, which is really exciting. Um, because so, so Bravo had a pretty good business turning old factories into cocaine processing plants. And Griselda was like, okay, I'm done with forging and smuggling and I'm done with forging. I want to get into cocaine. That's where the fucking money is and she just like really wanted to get into it but she told him she was like look i think we can make a lot more money if we also started moving it and not just refining it because he was just getting it and refining it and giving it back to the people so she was like no i think we need to get in on the other two sides of this equation
1: let's start trafficking <laughs> so
0: in 1970 Griselda dipped her first little manicured toe into the cocaine game. She and a friend flew to Bolivia with $500 just to see, like, how much unrefined cocaine they could get. And they got a heck of a lot. And they brought it back to Colombia so that Bravo could refine it and sell it to the cartels. And now that she had a taste, she wanted more. And the second time she went back, she took $5,000 with her and got a heck of a lot, even more cocaine. (laughs) And now that she showed Bravo what she could do, she was like, all right, we're blowing the lid off of this. And I'm going to be an equal partner in this business. She made it very (laughs) clear that she was not going to be just some drug mule. She was like, I'm not just the girl that like looks cute on the airplane and whatever. She's like, I want to be a partner in this. I want to run this game. And, So he was like, okay. And then she also cemented herself as his life partner in 1971 when they got married. (laughs) I think she was like, let's get this in writing right now.
1: Uh, Immediately. Thank you. She's
0: very smart (laughs) and not nice. This was also the time that they thought, uh, it was time they really expanded their operation. She was like, you know who really wants Colombian cocaine? Americans. You know where we should go? New York fucking city, baby. And
1: we're talking like 1970s and 80s, right? Yeah. This is like the cocaine scene of America.
0: Because she makes it that, she starts it. it
1: yes this is like a wolf of wall it, street
0: let me tell you <laughs> so she and bravo develop a base in queens with fake passports obviously
1: um <laughs> <laughs> because he oh no the dead one's the forger yeah the dead one's Damn. the forger but don't Maybe worry there's him plenty himself. of foragers <laughs> around hope columbia hope this time
0: um so they go to new york they develop this base in queens And they start hiring drug mules to bring the coke into the U.S. and the money out and back to Colombia. They are believed to be some of the earliest people bringing Colombian cocaine into the States. And this is something that has become, especially since the movie Blow came out, like legendary. This is the stuff that has made so many men famous. And she is the founder of it. And this is the whole point of this story. So... Listen,
1: I love that a woman is a founder of, like, this illegal criminal criminal act. Empire. It's really nice to hear. I know it's stupid. And it's the same thing we talked about when we talked about Elizabeth Bathory being a psycho serial killer. Yep. It's, like, sometimes it's really nice to be, like, yes, women also had the same type of sadistic power. Women can be just as bad as men. Yeah. Like,
0: equality goes both ways. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. (laughs) So soon they are making crazy amounts of money because griselda had revolutionized the way they smuggled things in and out of america so first she was like we have to use female drug mules because they are stopped and searched much less frequently She was like we also have to incorporate <laughs> it's kind of fucked up children so she had three young sons at the time and she was like we'll just put the cocaine into like the lining of their hardback suitcases because children are basically like invisible at this time. And there's, I mean, airports are so different at this time. So different.
1: I mean, real anything before 9-11, you could yeah. just like, you could yeah. bring a handgun onto a plane and nobody would notice. Exactly.
0: But the real genius of what she did lay in the garment business. So obviously they needed some kind of business front in New York to be like, why are you here? And be like, oh, I own a garment factory. And they're like, okay. So they presented themselves as garment factory um, specializing in high-end lingerie. And it looked legit because they did produce clothing. But it was specialty clothing designed to make smuggling easier. <laughs> she would hollow out the heels of women's high heels and put cocaine in there she made wigs that had compartments in the lining but her specialty was underwear she had girdles with up to 58 pockets for stashing the drugs plus two larger pockets in the breast cups and apparently one of these girdles was found in a bathroom once And the authorities confirmed that up to seven pounds of cocaine could be smuggled in just one of these girdles.
1: I mean, could she put her mind to something like making bras more accessible for breastfeeding? (laughs) Not in Colombia, baby.
0: Come on. And I mean, so, and then there's, so there's one girl, Mariela Franco. She's like the first (laughs) 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 Sarah. She was caught by customs and she was discovered to have four pounds of cocaine in her underwear. They are moving a lot of stuff. (laughs) And apparently at that time that was four pounds was $115,000 worth of cocaine. (laughs) And this girl, Mariela Franco was deported from U.S. She sent to a Colombian prison, which I can't imagine is a good time. Um, But she was so loyal to Griselda that she didn't give up any info on her. And this was common with a lot of the women that Griselda employed. They were happy to do this job because it was something they could do to provide for their families and not just provide, but provide well. They made a lot of money doing this. That wasn't sex Sex work. work. It wasn't sex work. And frankly, it was safer and it was more profitable. And like for them, it felt better to have a female boss, you know, like obviously if you got caught, it
1: was a really big deal. But the chances of getting caught were pretty slim. So are you telling me that? female equality in the workplace (laughs) would really help society on many different levels. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I would absolutely say that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's absolutely shocking. Yeah. No, why not? Like if you're going to be doing something that people a disapprove of and B is seen as morally inappropriate, like why not choose the one that you're going to make more money? Exactly. So
0: because she was so important to these women, they started calling her La Madrina or The Godmother. Some say it's because she kind of guided them like a godmother would. And others say it's because Griselda just loved the movie The Godfather. Um, <laughs> who's to say?
1: <laughs> Listen. Um, but she both? did
0: name her son Michael Corleone. So <laughs> <laughs> by 1972, they had set up distribution centers <laughs> in the in four boroughs of New York, manhattan brooklyn queens and the bronx so they just i guess didn't make it over to staten island um (laughs) and she made sure to make friends with the right people along the way she basically ran the medellin airport she had the colombian consulate in the palm of her hands and she laundered money through different banks across three different states so she was very careful and the system was working in the early 70s they were moving a million dollars of cocaine every six months which is a lot for the early days of the cocaine trade like you know we think of it as like oh if you're not making like a million dollars a week like what are you even doing but she's the pioneer she is the on the front lines of this
1: she's mr white exactly (laughs) making math in a bus
0: absolutely um but in 1973 the u.s formed the dea A.K.A. the Drug Enforcement the agency. agency, and they were hot on Griselda's trail, and they named this o- Operation Banshee.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, why? Ew. Because
0: I guess a Banshee is a screaming woman ghost. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it
1: is, but still.
0: Yep. Um, so in 1974, she was like, okay, we got to sh- switch things up a bit. Like our regular things aren't working. So they start sending things via boat and private planes piloted by female pilots. Because again, they're searchless. They hired men to like jump off ships before they docked and swim the cocaine into the country with waterproof cases.
1: <gasps> I love that. <gasps>
0: And so the DEA was like, okay, I don't think we're going to like really like catch her in the act, but we know what she's doing. So they put out a warrant for um, her and Bravo's arrest. Uh, Griselda fled the country before she could be arrested. But apparently, like 150 people kind of involved in the cartel and like, you know, conspirators were arrested. Um, but she was like, I know exactly when to leave. Uh, so she's <laughs> back in Medellin and she continued to run the operation in the U.S. from afar. So she's still smuggling. She's just not based in Queens. Um, and then she really started to kind of refocus in on her hometown. So she had an office in Trinidad Barrio where she grew up. Um, but of course she had a larger house where she lived with her sons in the wealthy part of town, <laughs> uh, most likely next to the parents of those, <laughs> you know, that child that she murdered. Right. Um, <laughs> but in just a few years, she had become a legend in Medellin. I mean, she is the person that opened up the pathways between the U.S. and Colombia, and she designed the routes to go. So to people, get it into the country, people are proud of her. They're so proud. Okay, of her. Like, very oh excited because she like made it, and they're like, "Oh my! God. Like look at you. You grew up so fucking poor, and now you have like you're like a millionaire."
1: Right? It's like a symbol of hope. It is
0: um so she is a legend she has tight security around her at all times um <laughs> and one night she's at this cockfight and this young carjacker comes up to her and has to like push through her security and he's like no, no no i know like this guy and she's like okay well i do know that name so like i guess you can talk to me so he comes up to her and he's like look, I know I'm young, I'm inexperienced, but like I have so many ideas and I really want to get into this business. I mean, he was like, I've been carjacking, stealing, and getting involved in some light kidnapping. Um, So I think I could really be an asset to you. And everyone knew that Griselda was the only way into that world at the time. She looked at him and she was like, okay, I think this could work. He was 25. He was ambitious his name was Pablo Escobar
1: stop it (laughs) oh my gosh no way
0: she saw a lot of potential in him so she took him under her wing and gave him the money for his first batch of coke she invested in him I which, by the way, is not mentioned on his Wikipedia page. I want to make very clear on his Wikipedia page. it just seems like he woke up and started like wanted to deal cocaine. No, she backed him, she made him who she who he was. Pablo Escobar,
1: wow, she is the godmother of she cocaine. really is.
0: But it didn't take long after he started making his money that he wanted more. And he didn't want to be working under a woman. So it's like when he didn't have fucking anything, he's like, oh, please, Griselda. Like, you're so great. I want to work under you. And then he's like, I don't work under a lady. I know. So in 1975, he started his own large scale operation, which obviously rubbed Griselda the wrong way um she had obviously never had much competition before and all of a sudden her young protege who some people also say they were lovers for a bit and they had a bad breakup but I also feel like that's kind of put on women of like you're just mad because like you were dating and he like like married a 15 year old instead of you (laughs) because that's exactly what he did um but I think that it was like I don't think that she gave a fuck about who she was sleeping with no obviously like (laughs) i
1: I think she she seems more big time than that
0: she was way more big time than that like i think she was like oh i don't care that he married a 15 year old girl she's like I am mad because he's moving in on my turf right it's her money
1: he's like taking her business and
0: he's trying to push
1: her out of Medellin and what sucks is that people are going to be more willing to trust him and buy from him because he's a man so she knows what's happening she knows exactly
0: what's happening
1: she's not dumb she's not dumb
0: and this is the beginning of a long standing feud between the two and many many assassination
1: attempts
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Perfect. they're trying to assassinate each other all over Medine. And so she's like, all right, I need to figure out a better system. You know, nobody called me. Nobody called me either. Um,
1: <laughs> I but- could helped. <laughs> I don't know how, but I probably could have. So
0: this is the thing. So she was getting really irritated because she was like, I go out. I send a hitman to kill someone. They do it. And then they get stuck in traffic.
1: <laughs> this is so irritating. <laughs> it's like New York. Don't kill anyone in New York. Exactly. <laughs> You'll get stuck.
0: So she circumvented this by putting her hitmen on motorcycles. She's like, so it's like Baltimore City. Never mind. I changed my mind. We're all Um, on dirt bikes here. (laughs) (laughs) But no matter how many of his men she got, his empire just kept growing. And soon he had successfully pushed Griselda and her cartel out of Medellin. So they go down to Bogota, and this was a huge blow to Griselda. I mean, she had literally been pushed out of her home this isn't just this isn't queens this isn't whatever like this is her hometown and soon she starts getting really like paranoid because she is just like oh it must have been you it must have been you it must have been you and she's like just accusing everyone close to her of conspiring with pablo like
1: constantly looking over her shoulder type deal
0: exactly and one of the victims in this was her brother-in-law So shortly after they left Medellin, she had him killed, which was obviously very upsetting to her husband, Alberto. He was (laughs) like, you just murdered my brother. And their relationship obviously started to become very tense. (laughs) Um, And Alberto just saw where things were heading. He was like, "Okay, she's getting really paranoid. She's killing people for no reason. She's We're out of Medellin. So he starts skimming money off the top.
1: (gasps) No, no, no.
0: And apparently, again, they're making a lot of money. I don't have any hard numbers, but he had skimmed off the top millions of dollars.
1: Okay, well, I mean, who's the secretary of this club? (laughs) Criminals! (laughs) Who
0: knows? (laughs) And he's stashing it away to, like, leave Griselda. He's like, I'm going to just put this in a little state. Like, just, like, a trust, you know, so I can leave her and not, you know, have to worry about this. I kind of like this reverse narrative. Now. I know! <laughs> like, the, it's, it is funny of, like, the husband who is in, like, a less powerful position.
1: Like, I have to steal a I little bit from my wife. I have to steal a little
0: bit from my wife. Um, but she found out. And oh. she was absolutely furious. Of course. And so, as the story goes, she found him at a nightclub one night and in the parking lot, she pulled out a pistol. Alberta responded by producing a submachine gun. Oh,
1: my God. And after what all, is that? And,
0: uh, I don't know. It said Uzi. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. I don't know. Uzi, Uzi is Al Capone at Uzis,
0: sure. right? Sure. They're like brrr. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like a, a violin a, case. Yeah. <laughs> like the um, upwards of a Tommy gun. The uh- <laughs> um, Tommy gun 2.0 was an Uzi. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> and after a blazing gun battle he and six bodyguards were dead but she with her pistol <laughs> walked away alive How? somehow <laughs> but with a gunshot wound to the stomach now to be clear this whole scene is a rumor because obviously no one lived to tell the tale and she always claimed like i didn't i would never kill my husband i would never but when her autopsy was done later there, there are bullet wounds in her stomach. Like, they're like, that story checks out. <laughs> but she... Yeah, so anyways. So now with two husbands dead, she gets yet another nickname, the Black Widow. But don't worry, in 1976, she marries again. <laughs> this time to one of her hitmen's brothers and her favorite, favorite bank robber, Dario Supervedo. Um, now no. we don't know too much about their marriage, um, except that it produced Griselda's fourth son, Michael Corleone Blanco. <laughs> Again, <laughs> she named her son after the Godfather, so I imagine like she just really loved that movie. I love um. that. I wish she was. Al- I
1: like. I wish she was watching The Sopranos on HBO. You I, think she, she was? It. I, yeah, it was on when she was alive. I know, that's what so. I'm saying. You think she had to be watching it.
0: Exactly. So, um, <laughs> her next son was going to be named her, her daughter was going to be named what's her name? Carmella Soprano. Yes, that's it. That's it. <laughs> you're
1: right. You're right.
0: Carmella Soprano. Um, I forget why I was she, I think that she would have named her daughter if she had one Carmella. Um, right. if she had it after the year 1998. Um, so. <laughs> But after he was born, she decided they should probably move out of Colombia because with Pablo Escobar running around, it was becoming just a little too dangerous. So she had her forgers work up some more paperwork for her she changed her name her nationality because again there's a warrant out for her arrest (laughs) and her family left for Miami Florida which had quickly become the cocaine capital of America
1: and has a very big
0: Spanish speaking population they do indeed Um, and so she's still running her cartel she's making around this time like $80,000 a month
1: a lot of money Okay,
0: Um, but obviously Pablo's cartel is getting bigger and bigger by the day and sure like griselda had run the medellin airport but pablo had his own fleet of planes and a private airstrip so he is kind of dodging her shit you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um so griselda like all right i've got to start standing out especially now that i'm in florida i'm in like the hometown of this business and she's like I'll just straight up start murdering people. She's like, if I can't beat the prices of my competition, I'll just kill them. And she took out a lot of people. But where this all really started was in 1979 in the Dadeland Mall Massacre, where she killed drug lord Jimenez and his bodyguard Hernandez after she owed him money for 40 kilos of cocaine. She didn't feel like paying. So she just murdered him. (laughs) So this is another guy kind of working in this system. And, yeah, she just didn't want to pay him. And this is a big deal because she was taking things a lot further because this was public and in America. You know, like, there were a lot of hits going on in Medellin in the, you know, Trinidad Barrio, like, you know, Kids down there were like used to violence. This was literally in a mall in America in Miami. And so
1: not the Mall of America, not the Mall, mall of just America, a just mall. a Mall of America. America.
0: No, no uh, roller coaster in sight. Yeah, no, no, no. And the cocaine community was like, Griselda, what the fuck? This is an underground operation. He just murdered two people in the middle of the day at the mall. Like, you, you can't do that here. <laughs> yep, <laughs> really, but <laughs> you shouldn't do it anywhere. No, You should not but- do it anywhere. <laughs> but instead of them saying like, OK, she's crazy. You know, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. Everyone just got a lot more openly violent, and the Miami drug wars came in full force. So another thing that she pioneered, the Miami drug wars, <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and <laughs> she's such an innovator. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and this is kind of where we get the the cocaine cowboy image from because reporters were all over this, oh, and they're yeah. writing about it, and that's where we get the name cocaine cowboy. I'm um, a cocaine cowboy. cow-boy. Pew pew. <laughs> um, <laughs> or. sorry my my nostrils don't work well I sniffed I sniffed a couple times that was great I thought that was good I think I think it'll come through I hope so um my nostrils like don't work well I don't know what it is okay there's that I think the left one's better than the right one Mm. anyways maybe because when you
1: hold the right one shut there's a hole the left one shut there's a hole in it from your nose ring
0: maybe because yeah my I mean, you're seeing it right now. Yeah,
1: I'm seeing it happen. It's I crazy. <laughs> I can't breathe out of this one. This is an absurd situation sorry. that I didn't need to happen between us. <laughs> I didn't want to know this about you, but now I do. <laughs>
0: um, also, I mean, it's just like they're all saying the cocaine cowboys because it's like the Wild West out there. There are no rules, no boundaries, and Miami quickly became one of the most dangerous cities in America with about 500 murders a, a year in the... <laughs> 80s and to put that in the baltimore context um (laughs) it's about 100 less in 2018 we had 348 so just about 100 less than the miami drug lord era we're
1: usually (laughs) drug war era we're usually about one a day yeah
0: about we
1: like in baltimore I, i don't know if other cities do this so like tell me if that's the case but we have like weekends called like no no shoot weekends to try yeah. to attempt to not murder anyone
0: yeah there are a lot of groups like really trying to curb this and
1: then no, and the no and it's shoot. just
0: it's literally just called like don't kill anybody
1: and that's the weekend like this weekend no one's murdering anyone. yeah exactly and then there's no shoot zones mm-hmm. so like there'll be like a, a spray painted sign on a wall that's like this is no shoot zone number 32 mm-hmm
0: I know. I mean, that's the thing. It's like. Any little bit helps. Any little bit helps. I know, like, there's a lot of um, skepticism of, like, okay, are they really going to listen to that? It's like, I don't know. Maybe they'll think twice about it. You know what I'm saying? It just takes a little bit sometimes to, like, make someone double think what they're about to do. Yeah, like, so,
1: like, at maybe least, least not right here.
0: At least they're doing something. Yeah. It's better than nothing. Exactly. Uh, Griselda was doing all the things though. And- <laughs> she was in all the shoot zones? <laughs> exactly. And since Griselda liked to keep it in the family like a nice Italian restaurant, <laughs> um, her two older sons... Speaking of the mafia. <laughs> I'm sorry, her three older sons were fully a part of this horribly violent war leaving her youngest son Michael as a constant target because people knew that that was her like one weakness like her
1: baby mm-hmm.
0: michael would later say that the first time someone kidnapped him first time <laughs> he was four years old and the drug lord um Pedrejita asked for five million dollars ransom and griselda was like wow you know what this is not nice being on the other side of this oh, i don't God. like this at all
1: what a terrible human and that's
0: the thing because she had been the one kidnapping she knew that if she didn't pay up they would have no problem killing her
1: son yeah but if you pay up once then they keep doing it mm-hmm. that's why the u.s doesn't pay ransoms Do you i mean that? that's the, i mean this is the thing it's like she knows that like
0: she knows that she's like, I'm either going to have to get myself into the situation or I lose my son. There is, there's no other option. Yo, like, ship they will him off him.
1: somewhere. Have him raised in a boarding school in England. She's got all types of so shit money. money. She
0: could do something.
1: Anyway, anything. Yeah. Keep him safe. You don't have to keep him with you. Yeah.
0: So she, she paid up. She paid the $5 million. Um, but. Ever since that, she was just waiting like a snake in the garage. She's like, I'm not going to retaliate initially. I'm just going to wait. And he's just going to have to feel as suspenseful as to when I'm going to strike back. And that opportunity came in she 1982. In the pool during a cookout. Um, it's so much worse. <laughs> oh, no. In 1982, she read in the newspaper that Pedro Hita's son had passed away. And there was the information for the funeral. And she was like, well, now I know exactly when and where he's going to be with his guard down. So she sent a hitman to murder Pedrejita with a machine gun at his own son's funeral.
1: Listen, if you really want to get a guy, you you have everybody he loves murdered at the funeral while he stays alive. No she wanted to get him. She oh, was pissed
0: man. This I mean things are getting
1: really Ugly I can't imagine being this angry About something <sighs> like I've been Angry but never angry enough to shoot someone At a funeral no <laughs> you know <laughs> no. What I'm saying
0: no I know i <laughs> I have a lot Of anger issues and <laughs> <laughs> it's never gotten to that point. It's usually like, <laughs> I'm going to drive my car off of the cliff because I'm so fucking mad. Like, usually it's like more like, like at like me. Wow. You know? Katie, I'm let's, get sorry, oh let's get some counseling. Uh, I actually, <laughs> I actually did try and look up. Cause like, I tried to go to a therapist a couple years ago and it like didn't work out because I did not like him. Uh-huh. And so I was like, Ooh, I wonder if I could try to like make an appointment because I really am trying to deal with my anger issues. Right, and, right. um, it was hard and I gave up. But I am meeting with my gynecologist in a couple weeks, so I'm going to ask her what the easiest way to do this is. Yeah. Do you have health really roundabout? Yeah. And like, I know I can get a therapist through Kaiser Permanente. It's just the online portals are frustrating.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, You're right. Talk to the DYN. I'm being lame. Doctors are great.
0: Um, So in 1983, Michael was kidnapped yet again when he was five years old. This time, though, it was his father who took him back to Colombia during a nasty divorce between him and Griselda. I don't know why he thought (laughs) that he could just take Griselda's son away from her and take him back to Colombia because she, of course, responded the only way she knew how. She hired an assassin. And one day, while Daria was driving with Michael around Medellin, they were stopped by... Police, but they weren't police. They were hitmen, and Dario was shot to death in front of his five-year-old son.
1: That's terrible. Where do Poor we find Michael? These, where do we find these assassins? Poor though? Michael. I don't, I
0: don't know. I, I, I do They're feel that everywhere.
1: So, but now
0: it's like a lot of people see Dario as like a really like innocent casualty. They're like not okay with her killing him. He was just so, trying to get his son into safety. Exactly. So. The rest of the people in her circle are kind of mad at her. The DEA is on her as yet again because they're like, I think that this bitch down in Miami is Griselda Blanco. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she's like, all right, I'm leaving it all again. Now that, have my, now that I have my son back. <laughs> <On the case. laughs> and she and Michael flee to Los Angeles, California. <laughs> the cocaine
1: is at chronic 2001. The, exactly, <laughs> The cocaine is everywhere. Her and
0: Dr. Dre are hanging out. Oh, uh, I don't know if he... I don't know if he did cocaine. He's
1: West Coast, though, right? He's West Coast, I think. No. No? No. Well, damn. I wish I was better at rappers. Snoop Dogg and Tupac are West Coast. Mm -hmm. Biggie, P. Diddy, East Coast. No, Tupac is. Wait. Yes. Yes. Tupac West. Wait. Tupac's West Coast. No. Yeah, West Coast versus East Coast. He was California. But Tupac went to... Baltimore School for the Arts. Yeah, but he's like West Coast rapper. Oh, Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hanging okay. out on the beach. Okay, California love. That's true. That's true. Uh, right. okay.
0: I don't know anything.
1: Uh, um, I watched like four documentaries <laughs> on rap, uh, and I listened to music as a teenager, so I know nothing true. about rap either. I need to get into that game. Um, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> the all you need to know is the Humpty Dance is like the first perfect like hip hop song ever. That's good to know. That's all you need to know. Okay. After, If you just drop that fact in jeopardy, you're fine. Okay,
0: perfect. Um, so she goes to L.A. and she's like, no, I'm retired. And there's a lot of air quotes around that. Um, she's like, no, my three adult sons are running the business. I'm not even part of it anymore. Um, but no matter what she said, she wasn't out of the woods quite yet because there was a bit of a rat problem in the cartel. This guy, Jerry Gomez, who was a friend of the Blanco family. He sounds like a rat. Mm -hmm. He started working directly with the DEA. (laughs) And this was something that Griselda might have been able to catch in her heyday. But unfortunately, she was breaking, (laughs) speaking of biggie, one of the Ten Crack Commandments. She started getting getting high on her own supply. Oh,
1: no. And she started
0: losing her mind on cocaine. She'd made it so far, um, and but since quote like coke makes you pretty quick, yeah, um, she's doing a pretty good. She's doing a pretty good job of eluding the police for a while. <laughs> I wish people could see you. Right I now. know. <laughs> I'm also on cocaine right now. Um, <laughs> I'm I, on speed. It's fine. I'm like I ought I, There are some times where I literally just look at Casey. I'm like, what does cocaine feel like? And he's like, I don't like.
1: He's like, I'm out of it. my
0: mind when I'm on it. So, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, now that he isn't anymore, obviously. Yeah, but, yeah, like, yeah. I'm just so curious because I'm so white as Blanco innocent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways. So, she is eluding the police for a while. But the DEA finally catches up with her. And they arrest her in Irvine, California. While she's sitting in bed watching TV with Michael. <laughs> Why? on february 18th 1985 poor mike again poor michael oh my god he's
1: seen both of his parents like one murdered and one arrested that's terrible and he's been kidnapped multiple times <laughs> the first time arrested. <laughs> uh i and, bet he got a good
0: book deal yeah probably mm. and uh it didn't take long for them to catch up with her three sons as her older sons as well and soon the entire blanco family Again, except for six year six year old Michael, he's six. (laughs) Everyone in his family is in jail or dead. She was given (laughs) no. She was given a twenty year sentence while her sons were given ten. Apparently, she did try and escape once. (laughs) Oh no! Come on. Um, but uh, don't worry, she was still running her cartel from prison through her new lover. a young 20-something named Charles Cosby who was really keen on the drug trade after Griselda started him off with a nice starter package of cocaine.
1: Well, it's great. I heard the Cosbys are good at getting out of jail. Exactly. Um, Worth
0: millions of dollars. <laughs> uh, apparently, they were also able to pay off some of the guards so they could get a little physical while Griselda had her... Hitmen keep a close eye on her boyfriend, um, and just you know, fire a couple warning shots every time he was with another woman. <gasps> yeah, so she's keeping busy in jail. <laughs> <laughs> but in 1996, so she's already been in prison for about ten years. Um, she finds out that Florida is pressing murder charges on her. So one of her best hitmen had flipped on her and he was going to testify her in court. Now you might ask, which murder? There's just been so many. The
1: one in the mall?
0: No. This was a particularly awful murder of a two-year-old boy who was killed when one of her hitmen was trying to kill his father. He was napping on his dad's shoulder and they shot and killed him. And they thought that they had killed the dad because they didn't even like, they didn't even see the kid, but it doesn't matter. It's like, you shouldn't like, this is the whole problem. Is like innocent people are getting caught in the crossfire of this. It's horrible. Oh,
1: I hate that. That poor baby.
0: Um, so she's like, fuck. Yeah. I do totally remember that murder. Um, and I'm probably going to get convicted for it. Um, so she's like, all right, I have to do something. What can I do? And she's like, I got it. This is her plan. She is going to kidnap.
1: No! Not a good plan!
0: Wait for it. John F. Kennedy Jr. An even
1: worse plan!
0: No! This is like,
1: the 90s. He's like an adult. <laughs> She's going to adult nap,
0: <laughs> adult nap, um, JFK Jr. It. The Kennedys
1: have it out and for that. she is
0: like, I got it. I'll kidnap him. And he's such an American icon that like, I'll totally just trade my freedom for his. They'll do anything to get him back. But
1: you're not going to get your freedom.
0: So she is going on and on about this plan. And she tells Cosby exactly how he's going to do it. And he's like, oh, that's right. Because you're in jail. So you can't. <laughs> so i'm gonna have to do all the legwork. no and he starts to kind of rethink things um he's like ah, i kind of feel like she's crazy and this is really the tipping point for young cosby and he then decides that you know what i am going to testify against griselda <gasps> <laughs> so he flips
1: well, trying to kidnap a dead president's adult son is a little... It's a little wild. <laughs> it is a little wild. It's out there.
0: Um, So she is set to go on trial. She's probably going to be convicted, get another huge sentence, maybe the death penalty. Like, that's what they were really going for. The state wanted the death penalty. But 1998, right before <laughs> they went to trial, it was discovered... This is so crazy that members of her drug cartel were having phone sex and engaging in bribery with secretaries from the state attorney's office. No. How? Wait. (laughs) Which meant that the whole case was compromised.
1: (laughs) Wait. I. Wait. Uh,
0: Isn't that crazy? Secretaries from the state attorney's office. We're having phone sex with members of the Blanco cart (laughs) drug cartel.
1: I love this. I listen. (laughs) Get get it where you can get it. I don't know. Absurd. I also like 1998. We have the Internet like get it together. You don't need phone sex.
0: I'm just what a wild turn. This is
1: (laughs) (laughs) so they can't.
0: I mean, so the whole case was completely compromised. (sighs) apparently like she like i think it still went to trial and she was found guilty but the death penalty they were seeking was like totally off the table now so she did get another 20 years added to her current (laughs) sentence but it just doubled it just doubled (laughs) but they're like because again everything had been so fucked up they're like oh well like you know you'll just serve them concurrently so she still had just the same 20 years. So like all of this was pointless. So she's just serving. Them. She didn't serve what any a waste of tax. She dollars. I know <laughs> she didn't serve any extra time for the murder of this two year old child. And she didn't even serve the full 20. She was released after serving 19 years in prison How? in 2004. Okay. The U.S. deported her immediately <laughs> and she was suddenly back in Medellin after 26 years she hadn't been there for 26 years and with Colombian drug lords like her in jail and Pablo Escobar dead it, like the city of Medellin had actually changed for the better I mean don't get me wrong they're still a thriving cocaine business but the point is that the drug lords didn't run the entire city for the first time in Decades, oh, that's great. and the murder rate had dropped dramatically. <laughs> there's public transportation like there's more jobs than just drug muling or sex work like this things are looking up, but some things didn't change for the better. um Two of her sons were murdered while she was in prison, and her oldest son was in rehab and Michael, her baby, barely knew her he was she was arrested when he was like 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 six or seven. Oh yeah. he wouldn't remember anything. And uh, I just she came back to a very just different world. So with not much left, she decided to move in with her sister. And she had um, still a bunch of properties that she owned. So she just kind of started renting them out until she earned enough money to buy her own house. Um, and it was in kind of a wealthy neighborhood where her new neighbors had no idea who she was. She was like, oh hi, like I'm Fiona. Just taking my I'm trash out. Just taking my trash out. out. Hello. Good morning. Um, so they have no idea who she is. And she lived a relatively quiet life until the cocaine cowboy documentaries came out.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> and then
0: she's suddenly being talked about again. And people were like, I'm sorry, who the fuck is she? <laughs> And studios are after her life rights, like dogs on a Royal Farms chicken bone. And they are like, we you know, have to make a, Fox, a movie. Katie? Whatever. <laughs> they want to make a movie about her. And she was set to make a lot of money from her story. But before she could cash in, she was finally assassinated.
1: Wow. Who done it?
0: We don't know. Um- She was in a butcher shop in Medellin. She had just bought like $150 worth of meat. Like apparently, I'm guessing she was going to have like a party or something. Meat time. (laughs) Exactly. Meat (laughs) time. And she was shot twice in the head. By an assassin on a motorcycle—the very type of assassination she had pioneered.
1: <laughs>
0: she was sixty-nine years old. Wow! Well, and it's still a mystery today as to like who is exactly responsible. You know, like we don't really,
1: we don't really know. Well, I'm glad that we had that discussion about Biggie and Tupac. Then, exactly. We just oh, don't know. They know. They know. You mean Suge Knight? Shh.
0: <laughs> no, they know. Um, so <laughs> last podcast did like a whole series on the Biggie Tupac murders and it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to know who done it. Um, and she did see kind of a fitting end because she was buried in the same graveyard as Pablo Escobar. Oh my gosh. Bestie, 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 besties <laughs> for life. In 2017, she was portrayed by Catherine Zeta Jones in the cocaine godmother. Calm down, Kathy. I know. Thank goodness. And it's rumored that there will be an upcoming biopic with her. And who? JLo. Yes! And Jennifer Lopez is set to play her. Love it. And that's the story of La Madrina, the cocaine godmother, cowgirl, extraordinaire, horrible person, Griselda Blanco. <laughs>
1: Perfect. What a psycho. <laughs> I'm I know. Literally, square one.
0: Horrible person. Fascinating story.
1: Yeah, agreed. <laughs> There's so much water on my paper.
0: I know these. uh It's uh, literally 10,000 degrees in Baltimore right now, and everything is condensing, condensing. Um. All right. Well, we need to get more drinks to melt all over the table. Yeah. So we'll be right back. Bye. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> Did you know that Elvis once showed up to the White House high as a kite with a bunch of guns? Did you know that Eleanor Roosevelt once had a romantic relationship with a lesbian reporter? Hi, we're Stephanie. And Tux. From Beyond Reproach, a comedic history podcast where we talk about political scandals like how FDR's grandfather made the family fortune smuggling dope. And messy government officials like President Johnson, who named his dick Jumbo and would wave it around at people on Capitol Hill. Gross. (laughs) And we do it all while drinking period-appropriate historic cocktails, like JFK's favorite, The Lion. We are not historians. We're just a couple of drunks who never shut up and love history. We hope you'll join us on Beyond Reproach for some big facts, good laughs, a little bit of swearing, a lot of drinking, and a real good time. You can find Beyond Reproach wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We
1: are back.
0: We're back with part two.
1: And this is going to be a little bit of a short story, but such a fun story. (laughs) I tried to make a drink that's reminiscent of a creamsicle. So it has orange. It has vanilla. It has vanilla vodka. So here's what it it is. It's called a vanilla vaudevillia. And it has um, some ice and... An ounce and a half of fresh orange juice, an ounce and a half of vanilla vodka, a fourth of a teaspoon of vanilla extract, and egg white. Perfect. Well, cheers. Cheers. Mmm. That is
0: tasty. It The creamsickleness is mmm. I love a creamsicle cocktail. Yeah. They're so good. Mm-hmm. I love the addition of the egg white. You know what I was thinking about last week? I feel like we've been kind of using, like, cream of coconut as, like, a vegan egg Substitute, white. Substitute, for sure. Yeah. I just think that's, like, a really good tip. Like, if you're vegan but you want your cocktail to be frothy, you know, you cream can use coconut. cream of
1: coconut. And it's that is really important because most cocktails are vegan unless, unless you use it has egg white. white. So, great. Great tip. Great
0: <laughs> tip from us to you. But this cocktail is fantastic. Thank you. You're very welcome.
1: Tell me what you know about Florence Mills. <laughs> uh, nothing.
0: I'm guessing that she was a vaudeville person. Yeah. Um, her name reminds me of the mom from the Brady Bunch. Um, whatever her name was. Yeah. Florence something. Mama
1: Bra- Brady probably. I don't remember.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know anything about her. Okay.
1: Well, I feel like this is... It's really interesting in our history that, like, a lot of times I I feel like black history is grouped into a couple things. There's, like, slavery and abolition Mm -hmm. and the civil rights and then, like, the Harlem Renaissance. Yeah. And we've been hitting that really heavy this season. Mm -hmm. But it's also a really important time, like, very post, like, um, the migration to the north. Mm. So let's get into Florence because she's a big name with kind of a short life. Okay. Yeah. So Florence Mills was born Florence Winfrey on July 25th, which happens to be my mom's birthday. um, 1896 in the Washington DC area. Okay. So close by. Yeah. She's like a little Southern neighbor. (laughs) Um, So she could have been in because it's the DC area. She could have been in Northern Virginia. She could have been in Southern Maryland. Mm. We don't know. Um, her mom was Nellie, which I love. And her. That's such
0: a good name. I oh mean, it's perfect.
1: There should be more Nellies. Mm-hmm. If I could go back 10 years. Ooh. And her dad was John Winfrey. Her parents were both formerly enslaved people who were now living in free suburban DC. She became a performer at the age of five. Oh my god. And was billed under the name Baby Florence because she was like a prodigy. Her singing voice, her dancing, she was just so um just big and boisterous and she captivated audiences. Especially for her age, people were like I cannot believe she's so talented. She was like the original America's Got Talent. Okay. Like girl on stage. She worked in vaudeville and was joining a company by eight years old, but the authorities found out that she was underage and made her stop performing, which is crazy because I feel like most vaudeville acts involve underage performers. Absolutely. It's usually like a family moving around almost like it's a circus, I feel like, right?
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Also, it kind of feels like, I don't know if this is right or not, but like, it also kind of feels like an easy way to like not let like people of color like slip through the crowd. Like, okay, like this is an easy way to persecute you. Like, you're trying to make some money and like you know you know get on this stage and like, well, you're actually breaking a rule that it's very we June let. Yeah, and it's like like you know we let white kids pass through all the time, but you know and maybe not some white know. kids were being targeted too. I don't know, but it kind of seems like an easy way for some racism to slip through. <laughs> of course, <laughs> as most things are, you know.
1: Um her family did become a part of the great migration and they went to New York from DC and they end up in Harlem where she started another vaudeville act with her two sisters, Olivia and Maud, called the Mills Sister. This act was You know, appearing in theaters all along the Atlantic coast. So it was a pretty big deal for these three sisters to be performing together. But eventually her sisters got out of the performing game. They didn't Mm want to do it. She was the youngest. They kind of aged out. It's like the Michael Jackson situation. Mm -hmm. Even though I don't think he was the youngest. Um, He was the youngest of the Jackson 5, right? But Mm -hmm. then, like, Janet was was after him. And Tito as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, Tito. Mm
0: -hmm. I don't know.
1: And then he has another sister. That's really? Her name. Yeah. There's two girls. Wow. But he was the youngest of the original five. Okay. <laughs> of the Jackson
0: five, he was the baby. Right,
1: right, right. So it's kind of like that where, like, she stays being a performer and they kind of age out of it. And she really was dedicated to having, a sh- like, an act in showbiz at a very young age. So for a while... Latoya Jackson. Latoya. <laughs> thank you. That's
0: it. Wow. It hit good
1: me. Cool. I was ham thinking the whole time. <laughs>
0: um,
1: once her sister stopped, she joined a group of three other young women Ada Smith, Cora Green, and Carolyn Williams. And they were called the Panama Four. And they had some success traveling and singing together. But then she met the Tennessee 10, which already had an established music group. So she wouldn't have to work her way from the ground up to get people listening to her. And this group had a dance director, and his name was Ulysses S. Thompson, nicknamed Slow Kid. But I don't think Slow Kid, like, you're slow mentally. It was like Slow Kid, like, smooth. Like, smooth. Smooth. Okay. Okay. And they actually got married in 1921. So she was born in 1896. So That's four plus 21. She was 25. Okay. When she got married. Perfect wow. Age. Pretty like uh, g- pretty good for that time. Yeah. She was like. <laughs> hey, I'm here, I'm working in vaudeville, I'm on the circuit, I met this guy, I'm traveling with the Tennessee 10, I'm 25, I'm getting married.
0: Wow, there we go. I mean, Griselda was 13, so
1: there we go. (laughs) It's a rough age to get married 13, I hear. You get married and get your period in the same year. Mm, 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 mm. So in 1921, Florence was hired to replace Gertrude Saunders in shuffle along <gasps> i've Which heard it of that. i know you have because <laughs> it is a trailblazing musical with an all african-american creative team and we've mentioned it on this show multiple times and i'll get to some of them in a minute it's an off-broadway show but just barely off-broadway it's mm. like On the street right next to it, like around the corner.
0: Right, like catty-corner Broadway. Right. It's like (laughs) perpendicular (laughs) to
1: Broadway. Um, And it was a hit, and Florence became renowned for her performance, specifically for the song I'm Craving for That Kind of Love, which was a hit in the play. Um, And this play in particular is credited with inspiring the Harlem Renaissance. Another person that you may have heard of who starred in this role is Josephine Baker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, The show is so popular that it would cause traffic jams at certain times in the day on West 63rd street. And it was so important because it legitimized African-American musicals. And it like showed that the pricing and the producers and the management and the audience could all go and see black talent on yep. Broadway people wanted to pay money because there's not a lot of people who are gonna put in the risk yeah there's probably a lot of people who are like yeah this is entertaining but do I want to risk all my money on putting the show on Broadway yeah so it was the it was like the cornerstone of hey black people are good at this too right which shouldn't have to be said but was yeah the play also displayed a black romance that was equal to that of a white romance in a Broadway play, which was a real fear for people to show, just like a normal relationship <laughs> between two black people. They're which, like, but
0: where's the gimmick? Right? And you're like, there isn't one. They're just in love. And they're,
1: they're
0: like, they're not but, side characters. Yeah, <laughs> they're just
1: like the main characters. This is, um, which I I always find so, cri- the. The way that people describe love scenes on TV is something I never would have realized is important until this podcast. I think the way we yeah. talk about in comics, how they display interracial kisses or same-sex kisses and yeah. this is the first kiss between people in this. And this like I love Lucy had you interracial couple, like how important right. those things are. Well,
0: and like Shirley Temple was like, you know, held hands with a black man on screen and people were like what the hell is Light. going on like <laughs> I yeah there are so many examples of these trailblazing moments that should never have had to exist yeah and that's what I always kind of come back to and I'm like why did it take like five-year-old Shirley Temple just grabbing his hand yeah to like cause an uproar and then the aftermath is always more people understanding but
1: or well, more people saying oh i've done that and now i'm not embarrassed of it yeah well Do you know what i mean it's cool like
0: i think that sometimes like you know that happens people have a horrible reaction and then it becomes more common and then they look back at i, mean, I would hope that they look back at themselves and like Ooh, I was really much Shirley really Temple mm-hmm. for that. And like, maybe I shouldn't have been. Ooh. I would
1: hope that there would be the <laughs> It like erases the stigma. Like when Princess Diana was like went in and hugged um the person who was suffering with AIDS. Yeah. Like that it erased a stigma. It was like, oh, well, like if the princess of Wales can touch yeah. somebody who's afflicted with this, so can I. Yeah.
0: There are those moments in history that I don't think we talk enough about mm. that are like absolutely monumental.
1: I don't know if I could have traced the lines to like connected the dots without doing yeah. so many episodes in no, a row. Absolutely it's very interesting. Okay. So um in her role, Florence received favorable reviews in London and Paris and Liverpool and other European venues. Florence earned a reputation for her wonderfully high pitched voice, very Mariah of her. <laughs> Sometimes the Mariah tea kettle is absurd how high it is. I
0: mean the whistle. Uh-huh. No. Nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I can't She even believe is it.
0: so talented and so crazy. <laughs> and I'm obsessed with her.
1: Uh agreed. Uh, everything you just said uh, is hundred percent accurate.
0: I watched her New Year's Spectacular Live. The one
1: where she was drunk mm-hmm. or high on something. Or something. Or like producer and I just, were like, what the we fuck were, is happening.
0: Like, Fiancé and I were watching. We're like, Phew. because she's so good. She's so that's the thing. Like and that's what sucks is that like she is so talented, and like she has this like, you know, like one like really horrible performance, and it's like, okay, can we all cut Mariah Carey a fucking break? Yeah, like
1: we've all been drunk and high on New Year's. Exactly.
0: I would like everyone in this room to hit a whistle note right now. Okay, it's just Mariah and Ariana. <laughs> right um <laughs> that's it that's it um but sweet sweet Mary's
1: baby <laughs>
0: okay she's great
1: uh, i love mariah, I Carey. Love mariah you too. know what? i'm gonna
0: put her on when i drive home tonight
1: i love all the jokes about how Nick <laughs> oh the nick cannon nick saga cannon. <laughs> nick cannon's own. okay
0: he's had four babies in seven months i know because he had twins and then babies with two other women and he's mad that people are <laughs>
1: But We're listen, if you to support him, um, fine. And, Dude. Be a, and be a father figure. But if you're just, like, producing for no reason, like, calm down. I love
0: the meme that was, like, Nick Cannon has had more maternity photo shoots than f- album covers or something
1: like <laughs> that. Yes, correct. <laughs> I like Nick Cannon. T- or I used to like Nick Cannon. I don't know that I dislike him. I'm just interested by his s- stamina. I definitely forgot about him. And now I'm like, oh, okay. I forgot about you. Now you're back. (laughs) Okay.
0: Here we go. Yes, we was back.
1: But Mariah is forever. (laughs) Mariah is forever. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, Florence, because of this high-pitched voice and her unique dance moves and her comic timing on stage, she's considered a triple threat. And with these things combined... She's unparalleled during the Harlem Renaissance. Most people can sing or dance or act, but all three is a big deal. Obviously, her fame led to being accepted by white and minority communities. Obviously, her fame led her to be accepted by both white and minority communities. Communities. Mm-hmm. And she was aware of the racial dynamic of the time period and conducted herself to serve as an icon for people of all backgrounds, which I don't think people of color should have to do. It's the no. way that yeah. she chose to conduct herself. But I think we've talked about it on the show before, where like I, one of the articles in my curriculum was about what an amazing guy Jackie Robinson is, and, like, that's why he could withstand the uh-huh. major baseball league criticism. And it's like, no, he's not just and like exemplary black person he's a black person and there are many exemplary black people right he just happens to be an athlete it's just like it's like he's the only black person who could handle it and it's like that's not true no it's
0: not at all also like they shouldn't have to be able to handle racism (laughs) that is like such a fucked up like notion of like I'm just looking for a person of color to handle my completely intolerant behavior. Is that so much to ask?
1: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I just want to be able to fight somebody with my cleats and have them be fine. Mm. Yeah. So like, I, I understand that she's trying to like be an example, but also she shouldn't have to do that. And Mm. I just wanted to point that out. Mm -hmm. Um, So, even though Shuffle Along was a big hit, she made her actual on-Broadway debut in 1922 in the show, Um, it's like Plantation Club. So, after she was done with Shuffle Along, a white promoter, Lou Leslie, hired her to appear in a nightly like performance of Plantation Club that was like in his bar. I'm not gonna lie, I hate that name. I hate it. I hate the name. And Let's it's just, all black people in it. Uh, super patronizing. Don't it love sounds it. Sounds
0: like a thing of like. No, they loved the plantations. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me—a rewriting of history. So I, I just wanted to say it.
1: You should because, because I mean, that name literally made my slaves. stomach churn. Her parents were slaves. The people performing in this, like they were
0: very close to this right
1: like right off of the slavery train
0: oh my absurd so
1: she's performing in that every night at this nightclub but then it gets turned into our broadway play and opens in 1922 The play is eventually renamed from Dixie to Broadway and played in England before being launched again in New York in October 1924. Okay. And from Dixie to Broadway might sound familiar, just like Shuffle Along might sound familiar, because that was the name of Jackie... Orm's first comic member yes. earlier this season. Uh, I do. So very interesting that we've had a lot of like the Great Migration this season. And oh, I really absolutely. like it. I really like it. Um. Then she headed to the Palace Theater, which was the most prestigious booking in vaudeville, and became an international superstar with her performance in this musical called Blackbird, which showcases her staple song. I'm a little blackbird looking for a bluebird this show toured internationally and um, Florence just became a star that was sought after in so many European markets so among her fans was then Prince of Wales <laughs> Edward oh soon to be not the king because God. he married a girl from Baltimore.
0: It all um, comes around. It all comes around to <laughs> Wallace
1: Simpson, the keystone of history. <laughs> um, and Edward told the press um, that he went to see her in that play 11 times. 11. That's like how many times I went to see Titanic in the eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> In White Marsh, um uh,
0: classic <laughs> Lowe's theater that's now AMC. <laughs> thank you for
1: coming to Lowe's. Mm-mm. You remember that? <laughs> you Sit are back and relax. The best. <laughs> I love Simply the best. Listen, if you're not gonna sing to me before the theater, I don't want to have you. Mm-mm. Okay. Ooh, that reminds me. Of Greg called me and I didn't call him back. Oh, me. he got cast in an in <gasps> HBO miniseries. What? He is like the the brother of a cop that gets killed. Ah, 100- that's so exciting! One hundred and fifty thousand dollar payout. No. Yes.
0: Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm gonna call him. Yeah, right after. Okay, right I after. will. I will. Oh I will. my god, it's so good. Um, he called
1: Jake yesterday and told him. Oh,
0: that's so exciting! He actually
1: did it. He and we all huh. knew. I feel like we knew he would. We kept being huh. like. We kept being like, man, he really puts a lot of effort into that." That's amazing. Okay. I'm <laughs> sorry.
0: I keep getting sidetracked. We'll talk about it
1: with producer. It's okay. This story is like one more bit. It's just super short. Okay. Okay. Many people in the black community and the black press really admire her popularity and saw her as a role model. Not only was she a great entertainer, but she was also able to like serve as an ambassador to the white community, which was really important at the time yeah. to just be an olive branch. And there are different types of Harlem Renaissance performers. Mm-hmm. And she is one that really is catering to white performances. Yeah. So she is just very Broadway, very trained, has been doing vaudeville since she's. Five, knows what she's doing. Yeah, she's a fucking professional. She's so professional. Point. She's very good. Um so she was actually even featured in Vogue and <gasps> Vanity Fair. Oh my god. Right? So, she's exhausted. <laughs> I'm sure it sounds very tiring. It's bad. <laughs> she's done more than 300 shows of Blackbird in London and she becomes gravely ill. And returns to the United States And she goes to the hospital She's in her early 30s And they're like, oh my god, your appendix This is why you feel oh, terrible no. So she has appendicitis And has an appendectomy But post-surgery She gets a really, really bad infection And because of the infection She ends up getting tuberculosis <gasps> And then she dies of the infection No, what? Like 32 years old or something Oh. She- It's November 1st. She's, oh, she's 31. 31. And black and white newspapers across the country report her death. The Chicago Defender, the Pittsburgh Courier, New York Times, the Boston Globe. Her death shocks the world. 10,000 people show up to the funeral home to pay their respects to her. Dignitaries, politicians, famous performers in the music world, they're like, we need to come and see her laid to rest. Her widower, who was a dancer and a comedian, had kind of stopped performing and been her manager and promoter um He later married Gertrude Curtis, who's New York's first black dentist woman what <laughs> yeah, so he's <laughs> okay like, he's like in the in it for the big girls um But she was revered and loved by her audiences. Florence was an outspoken supporter of equal rights for black Americans. After her death, both um, Duke Ellington and Fats Waller memorialized her in song. And the Florence Mills Theater opened December 8th, 1930, and on opening night, almost a thousand people lined the street with ten police officers holding back the crowds. There are postage stamps in her honor. There are buildings named after her she has had biographies written she's had children's books written about her and now no one knows her name and she's been almost completely forgotten even though she was like peak harlem renaissance stardom i literally can't
0: believe that like i'm looking up pictures of her now because i don't understand how we don't know who she is that's unbelievable dies at
1: 31 from an appendectomy from an infection after an appendectomy that's such a shame and it's it's such a shame it's such a short story and like she was going places she was so big she could have like her and josephine baker existing in the same time like they could have been so similar yeah and she just didn't get the second half of her story she like made it to the end of act one and it's so sad That is so sad. But that is Florence's story. And it's like, I'm glad that we have this time to speak of her because she deserves so much more. She does. Oh, my gosh.
0: All right. Well, now we need to talk about these two women together in a little segment we like to call Just the Two of Us.
1: Um, I mean, talk about somebody who didn't deserve to live very long and someone who did deserve I to know. live very long. <laughs> yeah, Which is funny because, like, they did, like, I mean,
0: die at kind of early ages. Like, 69 and is, not like, old, not old. No. But, like, 31 is not, like, that is outrageous. Yeah, I wrote young. young
1: death on my paper for sure. Young death and
0: also two people who had their childhood stripped away. For sure. If you think about it, like, I feel like their end and their beginning was tragic. Right. Because you have Florence out there as a performer at five years old. And there is a point where, like, obviously, like, Shirley Temple talked about that. She was like, like, I know people want to paint my mother as a monster, but, like, I was begging to go on auditions, begging to dance, begging to get on stage. And, like, I have a feeling that was Florence's thing. Like, she was like, no, I want to be in this, Especially you know?
1: since her sister stopped and it was fine.
0: Exactly. So, and I think that's the difference between them is, like, if you want to, I, I hate saying, like, give up your childhood for something that you want to do. Like, being on stage or being in the Olympics or whatever. Or like then have like, have
1: an atypical childhood. Right. That, that's...
0: A certain choice, and, like, we can debate till the cows come home about how much choice children have. But, like, I just felt like Griselda had no choice at all in her Mm. childhood. Mm -hmm. And, like, she literally, because of the circumstances she was put in, became a murderer. Oh, yeah. And a gang leader at 11 years old.
1: And what about the fact that they both were, like, um... More powerful than their partners. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, being, yes. being the power person in the relationship is very interesting. Because, I mean, Florence was only married once, but her husband gave up his performance career to be in, like, to be her manager. Because he was like, she's doing better than me.
0: Yeah. No, exactly. And I think that the big difference here is that, like, you know, they're the power person. but I think that the men in Griselda's case were just so completely not okay with it that they were a threat to her. And like, was that threat real or was it, you know, misconstrued? We don't know, but, (laughs) but I don't think that Griselda ever wanted to think of herself as like a target for that type of weakness. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like, She wanted so much to put on that front of like, you matter to me so little actually that like I will murder you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And like, I think that that's the threat of like, again, like you have Florence coming into her own and always knowing exactly what she wanted and Griselda who's growing up and always having that fear of like, someone's going to take this from me because that's what has been happening her whole life. And, like, she's never going to be taken advantage of.
1: Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too, that Griselda, like, interacted as a child with possibly survival sex. Oh, yeah. Because I think, and I I know it's weird to compare that to vaudeville, but it's like, when you, as a woman in Colombia or a black person living in the United States, only have a very small set of jobs available to you, you have to
0: take what you can get. You do. You absolutely do. And that's why I felt. I felt like there were a lot of similarities between like this criminal underground and show business because like we, I mean, we know we've talked
1: about, they it are
0: linked in some way, you know, but like, I feel like there are a lot of similarities because they are really tough worlds to really get into and make it in and stick around in because in both areas you're in and then you're out and like unfortunately Florence was never out she just died (laughs) yeah you know what I'm saying like
1: she was just it
0: was just over it was just over and it was so sudden because like they're both and like and it sucks because who knows how far she could have gotten like I think Griselda got as far as she could in the drug business because both drug scene and show business they're volatile businesses you know they're A ticking time bomb, and like maybe someone takes it from you, you're done. You're done, and like maybe you have, uh, maybe you have eighty years. Maybe you have just an impeccable show business career, like Betty White, you know. And then maybe you're a one hit wonder, and I feel like it's the same thing in like this criminal underground. Maybe you're Pablo Escobar, and you live in infamy; everybody knows your name. Or maybe you're Griselda Blanco. And people or Florence Mills and people forget about you because both of these women, no matter what their impact was in their day, were forgotten.
1: And I also think like leaving the country is an interesting aspect that kind of caused their death Mm -hmm. where it's like for Florence, it was going to Europe and having such immense fame um, caused her to kind of overwork herself and not take care of herself health-wise, and physically, whereas Griselda coming to the United States and interacting with some of these, like, murders that she should not have with, like, a country that has a really good justice system or pretty average justice system. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least, like, they're prosecuting her, and it's something that wasn't happening in Colombia, so them going abroad really changed their lives no absolutely because they
0: were both able to see the bigger picture and i really do believe that and Mm -hmm. like they were successful because they weren't satisfied with just staying in their wheelhouse they're like i'm gonna break this wheelhouse down and recreate it you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. they're like i'm not just a one trick pony i'm not just gonna be and shuffle along and like make some money and then like you know marry and then like settle down like She's like, no, I'm going to go into another production. I'm going to another production. I'm going to make it on stage. I'm going to make a difference. And like, that's how Griselda was. She's like, I'm going to marry as many men as, <laughs> as will get me to the top. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because she had ideas and she could only make them happen through these men, unfortunately, because of the time she lived in. Mm-hmm. But and I think that that's. Also, like, a really interesting thing is, like, you know, we talked about Florence kind of being a spokesperson for, like, the black community and, like, this person that she kind of felt like she was serving a lot of other people with her life because she knew she was making a big difference. And I feel like that's a big difference between them and was, like, Griselda was only serving herself. She was like, I don't give a fuck how the world sees (laughs) Colombian people. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and, like, in a way, like, she added to like the bad stereotype of like, oh, every Colombian is just like into cocaine, you know? And like, she like, didn't care about the bigger message. I feel like she, she didn't really have to. She needed that stereotype. Oh, she <laughs> did. She was the original, you know? Right. <laughs> and again, I kind of feel like that's another kind of similarity they have is like, they were like these original women who like. You know, Florence walked so Josephine Baker could run. Right. So Griselda walked so Pablo Escobar could <laughs> run and fly and ruin people's lives. Um, <laughs>
1: Thanks, Pablo. Um, wow. What a good comparison.
0: Yeah. Just like a lot in like very different lives. Very different lives. But again, how we were talking about... um. Kind of being parallel to much more famous people than themselves. Yeah,
1: and being so, like, um, the through-thread between them is very interesting. No, it definitely is. It, like, starts and stops in the same place, but what what happened in the middle is very different. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I think we you ready need... ready to toast? I'm ready to toast. I'm so ready to toast. Allie, who would you like to toast this evening so
1: today i would like to toast the stage Ooh, i love off broadway productions because that's where broadway productions come from yeah i think vaudeville is incredible mm-hmm. i love the idea of people for hundreds of years acting to act it's like yeah. i'm not at shakespeare's globe theater i'm at like the theater down the street yeah, but I'm good. Yeah, and I love it. And Yum. I just, I just want to toast the stage because I know we toast a lot of women, and I, I know that it's a place where women have been criticized for being on stage because they are treated as if they're a sex worker, and then there are women who are just so prospered. So I think it's a really interesting place. Yeah, and I want to toast it. Well, cheers. Cheers.
0: And you, I'm going to toast. Women who lay the groundwork that that men build off of and then profit from. I feel like, again, like we were talking about just at the end of Just the Two of Us, where so many men profited off the work that Griselda did and, like, we don't know her name, but everyone when you say Pablo Escobar it's like this name in infamy you know and like you think of Johnny Depp in the movie Blow none of those men could have been possible without Griselda they probably would have found a way but it wouldn't have been as successful because she laid the groundwork and like is it all terrible did a lot of innocent people get killed absolutely (laughs) I'm not Saying that she wasn't a horrible person, but I'm saying that above all that, not not above all that, including all that, men profited from her work. A foundation. Foundations. Cheers. Mm. All right. Allie, what are you enjoying in pop culture this week? Katie.
1: I started watching this new show with producer and sister um, who lives here now. Everybody. So we're just going to start calling her sister. Um, because I don't have any. <laughs> there's only one. There's only one. It's very funny though because we often, you and I say my sister-in-law very uh-huh. regularly. And we're talking, I've realized about, about 10 people. Right. Because you have sister-in-laws. Yes. And we have joint sister-in-laws. Yes. And then I have sister-in-laws. There's a lot
0: of sister-in-laws, but there's only one actual, actual sister. sister.
1: So just sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Okay. Yeah, you have two by yourself. I have two by myself and we have two jointly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus ourselves. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, here's the deal. Okay. Manifest is a show that's on Netflix right now. First Manifest. season or two okay. seasons are out. We just started watching it the other night. Um the guy who played Prince Charming in Once Upon a Time is mm-hmm. one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a breakdown of like the first episode because I haven't watched a lot of the show, but it's pretty cool. So they're getting ready to go home from a, a vacation. There's not enough spaces left on a plane. So a dad and his sister and his twin kid decide to stay back. And the wife, they're coming home from a big family vacation. The uh-huh. wife, the grandparents, the other twin are like, we'll go on this flight. You guys go on the next flight. Second flight ha- like goes up in the air, has some turbulence, comes down five years later oh
0: my god i saw the trailer for this and it looked crazy it is crazy
1: so because they they don't realize it's five years later they they dropped down none of their cell phones work because they've all been canceled the families have all moved on the twins are now five years apart in age (sighs) the twin that stayed had cancer but now they have new treatments to try and fix it one like a leading cancer doctor was on the plane everybody's trying to get their jobs back their spouses and boyfriends and girlfriends are married to other people oh my it god. it is absurd okay
0: i saw the trailer for that and i wanted to see it so bad but i thought it was a movie no it's a, it's show, a show and there's two
1: seasons <gasps> of it out and it is so good we've only watched three episodes and it is
0: so good and, that like, great.
1: gut-wrenching. I mean, immediately, me and producer went upstairs and we were like, how long would you wait before dating somebody else?
0: Uh, <laughs> not five years. I mean, no, yeah, I would not wait. That, that's, well, five years also, is a long-ass time. it is a
1: long-ass time, but I would wait until the kids were out of high school. Ooh, that's – well, you like, have kids. Like, it's so it's different, different with kids. Yeah. I, w- I was like, like, for me, I would be really focused on the girls, and then when they were gone, I'd be like, okay, now I'm ready to date again. Oof. Like having those discussions is like observos Such a good show. It sounds great, and
0: uh, I will definitely watch it.
1: Um, you should. Everybody should. Manifest. It's really good, and I loved. The actor who played Prince Charming on Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. And I love that he married the actress who played Snow White. I think that's adorable. I love that they have children together. Yes. Very great. They're so cute. So let's all support that. Okay. What do you have?
0: <laughs> I am going to promote a book I just finished. Ooh. What is it? It's called The Dutch House. Haven't read it. Okay. It's one of those books. Like, you know how i said this multiple times. Books haunt me mm-hmm. in the bookstore. And I always look at them and I'm like, that cover is so beautiful. And I was seeing this book for years and I was like, but like the description of the story doesn't sound very interesting to me. Okay. But I was like, you know what? It's 20% off today. <laughs> I'm getting it. I'm going to buy it. Um, So I bought this book. I finished it in less than a week. Really? Yes. And pra- Patchett has some kind of way with simple family dramas. Hmm. She just has a beautiful way of describing them. And it was the same way with the Commonwealth book. That was a book that haunted me. I was like, I love that cover and I just bought it one day and I loved it. And the same thing with the Dutch house. I bought it and I just loved it. I finished it today and I was just like in tears. Like it's so good and quiet and lovely and everything is cyclical. And I just really enjoyed it. So, I'm going to promote The Dutch House by Ann Patchett. Very good. Love it. All right. Well, that's it for us, friends. Um, Please find us everywhere. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, wherever you want to find us. We're there. But mostly we want you to rate and review us because that means the absolute world to us. Um, mm-hmm. And we just love it when you say kind words Because sometimes we have rough weeks And they really get us through them right. um, So <laughs> So do that um, We love you And is that it? Is there anything else we no, need I to say? No I think that's great I All think right. that's exactly it Well that's it And we want you to never forget
1: that well behaved women Have a cleaned and organized garage They
0: do And they really make history
1: Goodbye,
0: Goodbye.